You're about to listen to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast brought to you by the Denver Chop House. Chop House is located in the heart of Lodo at 19th and Wine Coop. Stop on by before a Nuggets game, Avalanche game, a Broncos game, even post game. Get yourself down to the Chop House, enjoy a burger, a steak, a fine craft brewed in house beer. But whatever you do, get to the Chop House, tell them Colorado Sports Guys sent you. They love us, we love you. Now enjoy the show. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there in Tangled on the Interwebs? Different location today, we are at Brooklyn's. Right across the street from the Pepsi Center with our old friend, Mr. Christopher Dempsey. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, fellas? Christopher, yeah. don't call me Chris. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's starting to get better, too. <laughs> like A lot of people are starting to just say Christopher. Really? really? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think, it's, uh, I think we started that movement. Did we start, did, were we the ones that started that movement? I think or you guys were the ones that started yeah, that movement. Yeah. Well, we are trendsetters. We got the bond line <laughs> changed and everything. <laughs> But uh, Ross Martin, not here. He's uh, probably at work. It's only 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but make his way all the way down here from Thornton the King himself. Jeff Morton is still here. What is up, everybody? Um, It's actually a very nice day today. Um, Just walked literally across the street from the Pepsi Center to here. Um, We are at Brooklyn's. I'm not entirely sure what their specials are, but thank you to Brooklyn's for (laughs) letting us do the podcast from here today. Today. I just had a phone call from uh, Rooster's Men's Grooming. Got a haircut slated for tomorrow. So it's all good. I was wondering for a while. I was like, man, I really need a haircut here. That weekend cut. Yeah. Uh, Your hair never gets long enough for a haircut. I feel like I got like an afro going. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get rid of it. I mean, my hair gets 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 that long, and I'm I'm going thin on top. So if, yeah, if it gets both. if it gets any length, it just looks like someone burrowed a hole to your scalp. Yeah. So <laughs> I make sure to keep this this shit closed. Yeah. That's not mm. good. <laughs> Anything new going on, Chris? You just got back from a nice Nuggets road trip. Oh. Did you enjoy the East Coast swing? Any plane delays or? <laughs> no, thank goodness. No plane delays. Uh, international rates killed me. Um, <laughs> calling and texting back to uh, the United States oh, from that's Canada. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't really dialed We forget that Canada the, is not part of the United States. Right, right. Until they start <laughs> saying data rates are $15 per whatever. Oh, and my God, it's, really? yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really ri- ridiculous. But um, All because of an imaginary line. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I can't use HBO Go out What's there. What's that about? What's going on? Are you serious? Yeah, the HBO Go app, it, it literally just says, can only be used in the 50 states United, uh, of the United States. It's, <laughs> it, it opens with that message when you open it in Canada. Wow. It's a yeah. different place up there. Crazy. I never realized. Full of, I felt, I felt full, so full of Canadians. Right? <laughs> <laughs> HBO Go in Canada. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I suffered through this road trip. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Tribulations there. Of the three cities, which one do you have one that you like going to between D.C., Atlanta, and Toronto's? Or Do you get to do anything fun? Do you get to sightsee or anything? Do you have a well, day? It was my first time ever being in Toronto, actually. So oh, wow. it was all new to me. And um, it's a really cool-looking city, I will say that. It really is a cool-looking city. Um, but I, I was there for – it was the second of a back-to-back, so I really wasn't there long enough to do anything. Uh, of those three, gosh, I really like all three, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a big D.C. fan. 
uh, just because, uh, not because of the clubs, but because of, <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm big into uh, history and I like history and government and all that kind of stuff. And that uh-huh. city just obviously is yeah. kind of the epicenter for all of that. Um, and then Atlanta is just a lot of fun. That is for because of the clubs. Yeah, <laughs> that is a bizarre road trip because because a second of a get back to back with Atlanta and Toronto right. is got to be brutal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. But you know, I, I, I wouldn't know anything about flying from Atlanta to Toronto. But it's got to be a four hour flight, right? Well, it was. What was it? It was two and change. Oh, really? Yeah, it was two and change. It was just a long day because you know that game was in the afternoon. Uh, so you get up, you check out of the hotel, you drive over to the arena for pregame stuff, you cover a game, you hustle out of there after the game uh, drive to get to the airport because it's really not close to downtown. Um, and then you get over to the International Terminal, terminal, jump on a flight to Toronto, and I didn't get to my hotel until in Toronto until like after 1 in the morning. Um, so it was just a very long day. Slept half of the next half of the next day. You get up, you cover the game, go back to sleep. You get up, you come to Denver. Wow! <laughs> so it's a it becomes a whirlwind after you um, you know after, on back to backs in particular. So, but DC, I did have a day to do to do something if I wanted to. We heard our old friend Masai Ujiri was in Nigeria. Yeah, so he wasn't at the game. No, yeah, uh, no, but he was on a BlackBerry commercial that played on the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> the game. Really? Yeah. Huh, I wonder if Tim Conley's going to have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk to Tim about that. So yeah. he, he can get himself a See if we can get him an version. iPhone one, though, not BlackBerry. Right? Yeah, like, yeah I know. It? I thought it was well, kind of weird. Because Masami does has... everything on a BlackBerry. I mean, that's that's he is, like, intrinsically linked to BlackBerry now. Yeah. I thought maybe it was just Canada didn't have the technology yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Yes, because their phones are powered by steam. <laughs> they have someone HBO working Go. the bellows. To, <laughs> to get it. I heard recently they don't have HBO Go up there. So That's right. That's terrible. They sure don't. <laughs> it's terrible. Sports Center, C E N T R E. Right. Sports Center. Cnet. Century. Century. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, I got some headlines, guys. We can go over on some uh, non-Denver stuff. Non-Denver. I guess these first two are exactly Denver from uh, Purple Row. Troy Tulowitzki trade still unlikely, despite Colorado poking around. Another one here. Will and Rosario deal being discussed with Rangers. Mm. So Rockies are finally trying to trade everybody, it sounds like. <laughs> I I, what is, what's the Rockies in game, Jeff? What, 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 are, they, what are they doing? I, you know, this is the thing. At least they're... Uh, and the encouraging thing is that they're putting it out there that everyone is available in a relatively half serious manner. I think that's encouraging. Mostly because previously they wouldn't be going there and mostly that was because of their owner Dick Mar- Dick Dick Murnford, <laughs> Dick Monford. So he's still there so I I don't know about all that stuff, but Bright it just seems to at least be attempting something. But at the same time, it's still. I yeah, mean, you don't get points for attempting something. You get points. Doesn't this prove for, that yeah. the new GM is completely different than O'Dowd? He's actually trying to trade these guys. O'Dowd never would. Yeah, I guess. Like, I guess. But I still don't like. To, what's the plan? What, I don't what, know. what on earth is the plan? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. It's just like you. Okay, so you have Troy Tulowitzki and Carlos Gonzalez, Carlos Gonzalez next year. Yeah. What? But what if you trade Tulo? Yeah. I said. Uh, 
if you trade Tulo, you're going to hopefully get pitching, right? You would think. Yeah. You know, like your Cardinals, you know, land, land, land yeah. maybe get a uh, get a uh, Adam Wainwright or something like that. Maybe, maybe get a maybe. I don't know if that's possible in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I would do if I were the Rockies: I would keep Tulo, and I would keep uh, Gonzalez, and then I would just try to go straight Blake Street bombers yes. on him. That's what I would do. That would be entertaining. You got. I mean, yeah. Try I to mean, win games ten to eight. Yeah. I you mean, know? embrace. You know, I, I think they've spent so much time trying to conform to what uh, you know what we all think baseball should be. Just embrace what you are. You know what? Guess what? This is altitude. In altitude, the scores are going to be twelve to ten. So deal with it when you come up here, or you know, don't deal with it. But it's I don't know. I, I just think I think back at the Rockies, their best success. Nicely to go to the to World Series in 2007, but you know some of their best their 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 best string of being consistently good in the regular season happened when they were just straight mashing. Yeah, it was bringing like the hitters and then haul that humidor out to the parking lot and we'll office space that thing. We'll put on some from ninety five hip hop and smash that thing up. From ninety five to ninety nine, they didn't have a losing record, and then right at ninety nine. Through then, it was just like they, they that one year under Leland, which was awful. And then they had Buddy Bell come in, and he they got a <laughs> Buddy Ball. They wow. got the, he wanted to do the small ball. That was the start of the small ball with yeah. Buddy Bell. Um, but you know they they were game over five hundred then, and then it's just been mostly way under five hundred with a couple things over five hundred yeah. since then. Yeah. You know, so but that you can mark that as the change from when they uh, stopped the Blake Street Bomber apo- approach. The you know. Because everyone fondly in Colorado fondly remembers Dante Bichette, you know, Larry Walker. Listen to that you know. lineup. Yeah. Dante Bichette, Larry Walker, Vinny Castilla, Ellis Burke, Galarraga. Gondras Galarraga. The big cat. And, I then, mean, and then Todd Helton when he was on. It was, he was just on. one hit after another. You, you couldn't get through that lineup. It didn't even, you know, the, the, the fact, I mean, it didn't hit as well on the road, but you were still scared of that power. Yeah. Almost one through nine. Uh, one through eight, you know, the pitcher being the ninth. But, uh, you know, and so it's, I don't know. I, I feel like they can get back to that that's easier that, than yeah. they can do. Yeah. That's something that we've talked about a lot with the Nuggets, too, right? Like, take advantage of the altitude at home. Take advantage of having a really good home record and then try to go 500 away from Coors Field. And maybe, maybe you, you know, run into the playoffs a little bit more often than you do now. I don't know. Maybe. You know, you kind of have to in the Major League Baseball. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's keep it moving. A couple of NFL quarterback headlines here. First one: Cam Newton not at fault for crash. Hooray! Oh, yeah. yeah. Cam Newton involved in a car wreck, and a second one, which could be a car wreck as well. Johnny Manziel to start Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect that will be a car wreck. <laughs> well, you, you know yes. that you know that's kind of like the Tebow thing. Everyone's going to be watching. This is. I'm going to watch. Yeah. Everyone's, <laughs> yeah, everyone's going to be watching. Tell you, I'm going to watch it. But the, the car crash, the Cam- Browns game in I want, to, years. T- I want to tell you this, the, 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 car, the Cam Newton car crash thing, I think I was watching ESPN or maybe one of the other networks was like they're describing the car crash, and then he basically broke his back, right? Right. He had, and they're like, it's unclear if he'll play on Sunday. Right. <laughs> they kept saying that. We don't want this his status for Sunday. Well, he's not playing. Are you kidding me? He's not playing. <laughs> you mean it's unclear. <laughs> he's a broken back. <laughs> they yeah. even said, I, I even heard a report earlier uh, today, and they said, "Well, he's discharged from the hospital. Uh, his parents came and got him. 
we don't know whether he's going to go and recover back in Atlanta or if he's going to do it in Carolina. And we don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. If his parents came up here to get him, and let's just say they were going back to Atlanta, do you think they're flying back from Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> Like that's not going to happen. Let's like, throw this guy on a plane a few dude's times. Dude's not playing. Let's Hello, Derek it. Anderson, and let's you know they put him in a neck brace and had him on a, uh, one of those things to stabilize you. A gurney. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of those stretchy things. One of those stretchy things, <laughs> which you is know, not they, to be confused with what I like to wear sometimes, which is a girdle. <laughs> girdle. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps the old stomach in. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, it, they they had that, and then they have that. Well, it's unclear if he'll play. I mean, that's that's how absurd the NFL is. That's actually how absurd the NFL is. They said, well, um, Tony Romo played with it, so it's a transverse process, right in the back. Tony Romo played with it. Bryce Petty uh, played with it at Baylor after missing just a week. Guys, <laughs> come on, man. It's not. Cool. But I will say this: Johnny Manziel is. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be worth the price of admission. I just oh, yeah. do. I'm but he's going to, to throw about three interceptions. Listen, there's going to be a snap that's going to go by his head. Um, what else is going to happen? <laughs> it's kind but of he'll lead an 80-yard drive for yeah, a touchdown. He'll have like he'll a 20- or 25-yard run that gets right. people all pumped. And right. this is it's not too dissimilar from when the Broncos were a decent team with Jake Plummer and then brought in Jake Cutler. Yeah. Remember, and, and Cutler had a, I think he had a snap over his head or something in that oh. game or fumbled something. But. Seattle, right? Yeah. That was his first game. It was Seattle, and it's just snap went over his head. And, oh, my gosh. And, <laughs> oh, it's just crazy. Oh, it's just like the the last game that he entered. I mean, he did lead an 80-yard drive for a touchdown, and then he did have a snap go into the end zone, which was a touchdown the other way. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it was like he was flat on his back, and everybody, you know, the – you take the picture and then you have all you caption it. Yeah. It's all all over the internet. <laughs> Johnny Manziel flat on his back. Right. <laughs> That's kind of how I think of him. Like it's yeah. going to be. He's, we're going to have all of that in one game, yes, and then Cleveland's going to lose, it's, and then Brian Hoyer is going to start next. It's week. going to be. <laughs> I'm going. I'm looking forward to this more than I've looked forward to pretty much any NFL game this year. Yeah. <laughs> Which be, is pretty sad, actually. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to see old Manziel get out there and play. All right, another one. We'll keep this one sports-related if we can. LeBron James wears I Can't Breathe t-shirt before Brooklyn game mm. uh, from ABC News. This is obviously getting a lot of play, a lot of NBA players uh, wearing this t-shirt. We've seen the St. Louis Rams. Some of their players came out with a, a bit of a, I don't want to call it a protest, but just a raising awareness Rain. of a situation. The and, uh, yeah. hands up, don't shoot. Hands thing. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just kind of wondering what you guys think about you know Commissioner Adam Silver being pretty lenient with the players, saying he's not going to, you know, even though they're required to wear Adidas stuff. What do you guys think about uh, commissioners kind of allowing the players to, to voice an opinion and to be not just, you know, sports players? I like it because I tend to enjoy free speech in a, in a sense where it's not, I don't, I don't believe a display like that is going to hurt anyone and it will likely get run its course. Because you're, there's not more interference, you know. Sometimes in these situations, the more blockages, the blockages you put up, and the more kind of that, it kind of takes on a life of its own. Particularly in social media, and players will find a way, if they, especially if they're determined, to put something on their bodies indicating that if they want to do that message. I think Adam Silver is good in letting it happen because it seems to be a greater movement in the NBA, particularly with the players. I mean, I think the entire Cleveland roster 
wore yeah, I can't wore breed shirts. The Lakers did too. Yeah, the Lakers did too. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's very it's interesting. First of all, if you're the commissioner, it'll be hard for you to do to ha- handle the Donald Sterling situation the way he handled it, and uh, there were clear, I think. Um, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Clippers wore something prior to one of the games. Oh, it was like a um, bl- I can't black warm-ups? Was it with the, yeah, they wore black warm-ups? Yeah, something like that. Sterling, yeah. yeah, they had the plain T-shirts. They all put their T-shirts in the middle. Oh, they the put floor. the Peter's right. T-shirts in the middle. That's the right. Clipper yeah. shirts, and they're you know, just red. I, the, the, this commissioner seems to be the commissioner, uh, for lack of a better term, the commissioner of the players. And he is allowing them to... Um, have a voice, to have an opinion, to, uh, you know, kind of stand up for what they feel they need to stand up for. And I think it's a good thing. I really do. Now, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't think these players should have been fined for that. You know, um, now, listen, do you run the risk of it being a slippery slope to, you know, more stuff? Sure you do. You do. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Um, but... You know, I, I think in this day and age, uh, it, it, it's fine, and I think they uh, these partic- this particular uh, demonstration was uh, appropriate. It didn't get out of hand. It were T-shirts, and that's what it was. And yeah. if it, if they can kind of keep it to that and um, have their voice be heard. And obviously, they'll you know they do interviews afterwards when when they get asked about it. But uh, outside of that, I think it's uh, I, I think in this case it's very appropriate and yeah. it's it's fine and I think you're right. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll come, it'll go, or whatever whatever it'll happen will happen, um, and then the, the the league will move on. Yeah. yeah, I think it's good to raise the awareness of of things that are going on. It's good that we can see, you know, like like Jeff was saying, just people being able to have some free speech or whatever. And it's also interesting that you know guys like LeBron James will use. Uh, I believe private police escorts from time to time and stuff. I wonder if there, there'll be any kind of backlash towards if he's asked the Akron police, hey, can you guys do this? And they're like, nah, you didn't really, you know, I wonder if anything like that would ever rise up or, I don't know. It'd be interesting because yeah. even a lot of, there's a lot of police involved at NBA games and stuff too. So it's it's, it's, a, well, it's, it's just, interesting. It's you know, interesting it's, times. I think people understand, at least the way I look at it is, I think people understand it is what it is. It is isolated to a greater issue of, what people want to point out in this country about being, I, I, I don't even want to, about having, feeling as if you're powerless, particularly when it comes to police action and stuff like that. And I think, as with anything else, it's something that needs to be heard, needs to be talked about, but it's, it seems to be happening right now. I mean, I'm not talking about violent protesting seems to be happening right now in a constructive way and if things like this happen in a constructive way i think it's only positive i I really don't see any negative happening from it because if someone's hurt then someone's hurt someone's always going to get hurt in a situation where you're protesting against something but if the greater good is served i think it's only beneficial yeah just open up a dialogue that's 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 kind of you know what it really is all about and and outside of that then you know it's it's really not much more more than that except for it's their disagreement with what happened in that particular situation yeah. so um you know that combined with opening a dialogue about what they feel is is important is uh i i feel is important yeah yeah good stuff well that's gonna wrap up headlines uh, and we can talk we about didn't that. even get headlines from the future <laughs> We'll get that next week. Might be way too loud. (laughs) Sorry for your ears, everybody out there. 
<laughs> Sorry for your ears on that one. <laughs> right, let's, let's talk a little nuggets while we have a, a few Nuggets uh, insiders here, at least one very inside insider, Chris Dempsey. Uh, nuggets have a... Can't get Again. more inside than Chris Dempsey. He's inside. Everything. He's inside the locker rooms. He's everywhere. I'm uh, uncomfortable with this conversation <laughs> right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they got a game against the Heat. The, the Nuggets go on the road uh, where Dempsey couldn't get HBO Go in Canada. No, that was yeah. their, their best so game up there against the Raptors, but they come back 0-3. They're 9-12 and now, I believe. Yeah, 9-12. Yeah. Um, they were just 9-8. and and we're, st- we're starting to get these the same questions of, you know, uh, we've seen on our side, I- I've talked about it, you know, we've seen under Brian Shaw thus far, they've had big winning streaks, they've had big losing streaks. Yeah. They haven't really been steady. Like, what, what do you guys feel are the, are the kind of the main storylines uh, with the team right now? Like, what's, what's kind of concerning, what's good, what's bad? Well, start with, start with, let's start with Chris because everyone hears my thoughts on these things. So. I, well, I, I, I think they're pretty similar to when they were one and six to start <laughs> you know and that's you know are they going to play defense for 48 minutes um, why do we see these improvements and then we see them go back to yeah like, that's a really good question um it's a wild regression it's like one extreme to the other it's it's yeah it's it's what's remarkable how they're not like ever just mediocre or are they really bad or really, really good, good. Yeah, and, and I thought the road trip was weird. With the exception of the Washington game, yeah, they're pretty bad, bad the entire time. Yeah. Um, you have these first halves that where they fall apart, yeah. and then you have these second halves where they play great uh, but fall short. Um, I, you know, you know, I, I'm I'm the kind of guy that w- likes to wait to make a judgment on a basketball team, but they look the way they've played to this point. They're playing like a 500 basketball team. They play games like a 500 basketball. They play half a game right now. Or they'll play seven terrible games, and then they'll play seven really good games. 500. And, uh, you know, that part of their personality is, uh, is something that I can't quite wrap my head around why it's happening um, other than, you know, I, I always want to look at the players and say, okay, are they bringing the kind of effort you need to bring when you need to bring it. And they are doing that about half the time right now. And I don't, you know, I, so now the debate is, is it their fault or is it the coach's, the coach's fault? And uh, I will always skew toward players more than coaches, but I'm going to tell you what, um, if we're sitting here and having this conversation in, say, early February, then you got to, then to me, I have to seriously ask the question, what, how, how come these players aren't motivated to be able to play consistently for a long period of time? What's well, interesting how, I mean, what, it's the fascinating thing to me is that it's been a long time since I've seen a team with the last two years with the injury team last year and this year. It's been interesting to me to see the wild, the, it, it there's, there's playing like a 500 team, and then there is just, the, just the wackiness, the, the, the drama, the, the almost blowing up, and then the pulling it back, the pulling it back, and then everyone plays well, and then it gets really, really bad, 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 and it goes almost to a blow up again, and then it brings it back, brings it back. I don't think I've ever seen a team. I mean, 
maybe maybe that 2000 2001 Nuggets team that went like 40 40 and 42 where the Van Axel led the uh, led the boycott of practice mm-hmm. that's the only other team uh, I one, think two, three, I can Cancun yeah <laughs> <laughs> one two three Cancun that's the only other team that I can think of that had such extremes as this team because that team went through five six game losing streaks five six game winning streaks i mean they were bouncing back and forth all year schizophrenic yeah and i don't know if that was more the personality of the players or the coach because really at that point you really just can't tell yeah because you know the coach sets the tone the players set the mood and and don't you feel at this level do you have to should you have to motivate your players i don't think it's about motivation I really don't think it's motivation, to be honest with you. Because if it was simply motivation, they would play lethargic all the time, especially if they weren't re- responding and they'd be quit. You know, NBA players—they just quit. You know, if they're if they're not into you, they'll just kind of generally just half-ass it. But it always kind of what what really is unusual in this one is it'll, it it snowballs to like some sort of big peak moment of drama, and then suddenly it gets twenty times better. And it's like it's it, that's p- the part that is really I can't put my finger on is that why it's so extreme, you know? I just I, I never thought I would say this. I just kind of wish for a one game losing streak and a one game winning streak. <laughs> I kind of would prefer that over the wild back and forth. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I, I I I feel I feel like I I, f- I kind of watch this, I look at this team and I feel like they are going on one game win- losing streaks in one game except for they're doing that. In big chunks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're taking sections of the year. Yeah, they're just taking sections of the year and going, loss, 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 loss. Win, 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 win. And, you know, you know, they did this. You know, you know, there was a big part of last season. I think this team was something like 23 and 24. They were right around 500 through 48 or 49 games. Yeah. And then they lost all those games to, to end the season and ended up with only 36 wins. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of what they need. They're trying to avoid that. Or they're trying to tread water enough to then they can where, – where, uh, their next 8 out of 10 would put them six games over 500. And that's what I think the danger is with what you're doing right now is – you you go one and six you you get yourself all the way back to five hundred. In fact, get above a game above five hundred. Yeah. But if you go one and six again, that is you totally are giving back everything that you had achieved in the first place. You ruined that. And so even if they lose four, like they've lost four in a row right now. Okay. If you then win seven of ten, fine. You're you'll be you know you're you're going to be th- three games over five hundred at that point. And I think they need to just get it. They can't go all the way back to that. Some teams are going to lose three or four, but you can't go all the way back to it. And it's just the, the way they're losing to me is the, is the most confusing thing, and that is just you, you see 24 minutes full of great basketball. You, th- you see 24 minutes full of what on earth is going on out yep. there, and that's the, that's the personality that confusing. they're going yeah, to the have to fix. I've been kind of – obviously there's, there's been injuries, and there's been – fans questioning some injuries i know chris when you sent out some tweets about 
uh, Kenneth Reed not playing and Coach Shaw being surprised about it, we got a lot of people on our site, and even I thought too, like, well, how was Reed hurt here? And he right. didn't play for a couple of games. So you're, and you and you see some run-ins. Brian Shaw obviously with Andre Miller last year. Uh, something happened with Aaron Aflalo this year. I don't know to what degree. Um, and and you're seeing Kenneth Reed maybe now, and it's like, I, I you hear from these guys, Brian Shaw is a player coach, but there seems to be player versus coach battles you know and i remember one time when george carl missed a practice and i asked andre gadal about is it nice not to have george here for a day you know and he said you know every single day you know guys love coach but there's always one guy that hates coach like it's just how it is because of whatever and it's you know i I still feel like shaw has a a lot of learning to do as a head coach and how to try to get guys to follow his lead, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's part of why they might be inconsistent is maybe they're not totally buying into him, maybe. I don't know if that, how much of a role that plays in the whole thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think, you know, I look at his relationship with the players and I see, what I see is I think to a certain extent there are some guys who don't like to be called out in within the within their borders of their own locker room. So, you know, he's he's very very honest and very brutally honest about what you're bringing to the table or not bringing to the table and what how you have to fix that. I don't know that everybody responds to that great all the time. Um and I know it's probably a shock to the system because George Carl was so passive aggressive, right? George Carl would never yeah. tell you, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z because you're sucking out there. He just all of a sudden wouldn't play you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wouldn't tell like, you why. Yeah. Right. And then leave you to twist in the wind as to what is going on. But he'd tell us, like we'd ask him, and he'd go, yeah, well, listen, if that person <laughs> would just hit the defensive glass, I'd play him more. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell him that? <laughs> don't <laughs> tell him. Don't tell so, us. Right, and so Brian Shaw does tell them that over and over and over again, and I'm sure it's not, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a shock to the system for some of those guys. Yeah, I think as a communicator, his, he's been a work in progress. Uh, Brian Shaw, I'm talking about Brian Shaw here. And, um, I mean, you brought up Andre Miller. Um, and, and, and even more than Andre Miller, I thought the Andre Miller thing was just, it is what it is. But if you remember the series of meetings the teams had to have after that, yeah. Right. Uh, so they, they had the individual meetings and they had the team meeting because they didn't feel like they knew what was actually going on. Yeah. So you know he needed to grow in that area. Um, and, and then individually with each player, uh, you know, you get per- different personality types. I think um, Aaron Aflalo, you mentioned Aaron Aflalo yeah. uh, early on. And I think Aaron Aflalo was just very confu- uh, like He wanted to be more a part of things. And they were losing. So he had beef. You know, he's like, look, first of all, I'm not playing well because I don't know what my role is or where I'm supposed to be getting the ball, and, and we're losing. So he's not going to sit on his hands and not say anything about that. Yeah. So he did. And that, has, that situation has not been a problem ever since. Yeah. I mean, they um, handled it. Yeah. yeah. Kenneth Freed. Uh, you know. <laughs> That's been a battle since Shaw really got here, I think. uh, I think think last year was a little bit more of an understate. They didn't understand each other. They were getting to know each other. I mean, they they just met each other. Right. You know, um, so there was a, there was a, uh, you know, getting to know you period uh, going on there. And then there was Brian Shaw kind of being like, dude, 
okay, well, give us these three or four things. You know, you, I want you to play better. You know, so that was going on in the backdrop of getting to know you, which, you know, it, it, it caused what it caused. But then that worked itself out late in the season. So partially due to injuries, right? I mean, Kenneth yeah, had to I mean, play a lot, and he played well, but he right, didn't really have anybody else to turn to at that point. Right, and partially because Kenneth Free was so affected by the trade stuff. Yeah. And then when his mind was eased, yeah. then he just went out and played. Yeah. I, I think Kenneth Free just frustrated at himself, first and foremost. I, if I had to characterize the situation right now, he, he's mad at himself for just not really realizing the potential that he we all know that he has. Yeah. He just has played some of his most average basketball that he's ever played right now. And so then you're, so you're frustrated about that, right? So then you have a coach who's telling you you need to do X, Y, and Z. And now you don't really want to hear it because you, in your head you already know why you're, why you're mad. So now you're frustrated about that. And the coach gets asked about it by the media, and he's saying things like, look, you made Chris Humphrey, he made Chris Humphreys look like an all-star, yeah. and now you're mad about that. And so I think there's so much frustration going on, and it all really just stemmed, goes back to just how he's playing. I think how I would handle Kenneth Fareed is just, just say, look, get out there, run the court, run to the rim, crash the boards, and I promise you we'll get you back to the level that you need to be. Yeah. No more post-ups, no more, uh, just get back to the basics, and then build from there because once he gets his confidence up, then, hey, post him up because now he's going to be shooting that hook shot with confidence. If you need to turn and face and take a jumper every now and then, do that because now he's going to be taking that jump shot with confidence. But until then, until he gets back to the basics of what had made him the manimal, I think we're going to see this the entire season. And it's just going to be worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And Kenneth Free is an emotional dude. Uh, and so it's if he gets mad... It's and stays mad. It's not going to be good. And I think the injury, the back injury, was a little bit more. If I'm speculating here, I would say it's a little more frustration than any type of injury. If he was averaging 25 points and 10 rebounds a game, he'd have played over the weekend. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. And you wonder too. I, I wonder with him how he goes from being. Even last season, he was featured, you know, on that team. And, you know, under George, he was basically the crunch time center in most situations. And now he's, he's, he is, because of his play, probably being in a reduced role. And we're just seeing him trying to work it out. And I, I just hope it doesn't get to a point where it's like, hey, it's either going to be me or Brian Shaw. You know, I'm not happy under him, and I need to go somewhere else and get a fresh start or something. You know, because I, I think he does have a ton of talent, and I, I hope it's a situation that can be worked through here. With, with his own play. And like you said, if, if he just gets back to doing what got him his big contract in the first place, then I think yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Well, it needs to, and it, 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 you could say that about a lot of different players in the team. And I, you would hope that they would eventually all be on the same play page where their relationship with the coach or their well, relationship has with to, everyone is, is the same thing. But, but Freed's making the money, right? Yeah, he's making so, money. So this is not a, okay, well, now I have to. No, 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 no. You're making the money, you get out there, and you play, and you play to yep. the level that you're expected to play to. And that it really is that simple in this league or any other sports league, to be honest with you. When you get paid $12.5 million a year, you have, to, you have to be a $12.5 million player. 
And what he's doing right now is putting his fewest points, fewest rebounds, worst shooting percentage yeah. of his career on the court. That's what he's doing right now. And that cannot continue, and he is going to have to be the one that starts. One thing I've been looking for out of him, and we off the air talked about J.J. Hickson going and talking uh, and, and working with uh, coaches after practices. Yeah. yeah. I would really like to see Kenneth Reed in that situation because when usually when big-time players get mad at their game, they, go, they get back in the lab and they fix it. Right. That's what I would like to see out of him rather than I'm not playing tonight. Hey, coach. Hey, coach. I know I practiced yesterday, but I'm not playing tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, <laughs> you can't it, operate like that. It does mean for as much flack as J.J. Hickson gets, I mean, that guy works his ass off, yeah. especially like especially after practice. Like, he's up there working on rolling off pick and rolls and all sorts of stuff. I mean, he, and that you're right. Like, if, if you're frustrated about it, Go work on it. Yeah, you know, don't there's run, definitely don't run away the work. There's definitely the work there with JJ. And the other oh. guy that that a lot of what we're talking about with Fareed is is true of Danilo Gallinari as well. And you know, I talked to Coach Shaw today. He explained you know the Gallinari situation and not playing him. And you know that's been another guy that's been frustrating because it's when he is out there and missing shots and not being effective. It's it's hard to see that, and you know he's frustrated. He's got it. I think it's pretty close to the Mary and the Fareed situation with him I, I think I don't know yeah I, I just think there's a more of an injury element with Danilo um I think Danilo's just not right you know I, I it, it's it's hard for me I, I, you know we were talking earlier and it's it's hard for me to explain that in terms that are scientific enough for every single person to see it but when I watch Danilo on the basketball court I just don't even see a player who's even remotely healthy not even remotely healthy and the big games he has had have been shooting games. So he's been out there uh, knocking down three-point shots, whether they be over a shorter defender or whether just, he just had enough space, he's taking a wide-open shot and he's knocking it down. But when I will know that Danilo Gallinari is back to what he was uh, when he is not afraid to explode to the rim when he was never the fastest guy in the first place, but he was able to get around guys and finish at the rim prior to the injury. He can't even get to the rim right now because the knee is hurting him. He's a step slow, and for a guy who wasn't the fleetest of foot guy anyway, that's keeping every defender right in front of you. So I think we forget that he's coming back not just from the ACL, but also the meniscus. I mean, he has two things in that same knee where it's... Because I look at JJ and I'm like, man, this guy looks like you couldn't even tell that he had ACL surgery. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. It's, it's, it's true. JJ so- just had the ACL, and of course he didn't have the. But the biggest thing with Gallo was the layoff. The, the layoff, 19 months away from basketball. It is you cannot replicate basketball if for almost two years. That is going to set back. I don't care if you well, look at you know Derek Rose. How long it's taken him? You know he came back, got injured again. Had to do this again. He's working his way in. They're really they're, they're only they, for a while there. They were only playing him every other game, you know, in Chicago. So, but it's it's one of those situations that Gallo keeps saying he people need to be patient with him. He's going to be out for tonight's game against uh, the the Heat because I think a bone. They said something about bone bruises. Bone bruises. Yeah. Bone bruises, yeah. Um, so maybe the rest will do him good, um, but. 
Guys, I'm not so sure that they they, they might not need to. Well, they're, they're kind of impo- I was going to say, I'm not so sure they, they shouldn't go back to a minute restriction with him. Um, kinda, kinda, say he's kind of playing under they're, they're, restriction yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> if we're, I was just say they're just, <laughs> if we're just being honest. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I think I think Danilo Gallinari was as frustrated as, as I had ever seen him in that Toronto locker room. Um, and, you know, it, it's just he's going to have to be patient as well, you know, in his head. He's going to have to work and work and work and rehab like crazy. Um, I, you know, I, I think one of the best rehab stories on this team is Wilson Chandler. Yeah. You know, he always got hurt, and then he'd come back, and then he'd be kind of, he'd be okay, but then he'd get hurt again. Yeah. Um, there's been no trace of anything with him. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, you know, he had a plan over the course, course of the summer that they enacted, and he's been really, really good so far. But I, I just think in terms of that's where Gallo's mind state has to be. Get yourself completely healthy. I've already been on record as saying I, I don't think that he we'd even see the real Gallo until after the All Star break. Anyway, I mean, I've said that many many times before. So yeah. some of this is not a surprise to me. Some of the depths that he's sunk to on some of these games has been a little bit of a surprise. I thought he'd be a little bit more of a. Um, he was still averaging like right around say twelve points a game. Uh, just not every six. game wouldn't be right. Yeah, so it, it's been a little bit worse than I thought it was going to be. But I don't think it should mean that anybody ought to give up on what he can be or will be uh, in the future. It's just I think he's just dealing with injuries, and I think it, the injuries are killing his confidence. And his confidence, it, it's you know, once you once you do that in any sport, uh, you're finished until you can kind of get your head back together and get it in the right place. Right, he, right place. He's had some games too where he has, you know, been able to draw fouls and get into the lane. But like you said, he's not really able to get those and one plays or really be a total threat to score versus just kind of getting fouled so yeah you're right i mean once we start seeing him attacking the paint and then we'll know that his leg's feeling better right i mean Mm -hmm. you'll see that and i i was just kind of i probably thought that he was healthier than he is i was surprised to hear about the bone bruise and that he wouldn't play today so maybe i need to take a a better look at well he was needing to he was run into by gary harris in the portland game and he went out no, I think with three minutes left before halftime, he went out and he tried he to play his again. Right leg instead of his they, left they play, and yeah. he was limping badly right after that thing. I, if I'm speculating here, I think it has something to do with that leg, um, not the ACL leg. But um, he's been telling people. He told Scott Hastings, and he said it on the in the air that he's still extremely sore after he plays. I, it's the consequence of having a lot, you know, an altering surgery like that. That's just the okay, one. Okay, so now take that knowledge, right? So now take that. Let's just say he was extremely sore after the Atlanta game, which played about 15 minutes in that game. Yep. Then you go and you fly to Toronto. What 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 percentage Gallo did you have in that game? So yeah, it's it's you know you're going down. It's diminishing returns, right? Man, Dempsey's so, over here talking sense. So it's a, making it's, sense. You know, so it's you know, so it's interesting. You know, it just is. You know, I, I just you know, we'll see. I, I think for him, I, you know, the training room is just going to be his biggest friend, and um, he's going to have to fight through it, and, and and we'll see what we have, you know, in February. Well, you just hope that his confidence doesn't get annihilated in this whole thing, and he, that's the the biggest issue. Is like, other than him getting physically ready, getting mentally there, and fighting through this. Well, the other thing is, you know, going to be the big thing is, is you don't know. You, you hope that he rides through this. You would hope that he gets from here to at least an approximation of what we saw, say, two years ago. 
You hope so, and but you don't know. That, another position I've been worried about is, as, as Chris pointed out with Wilson Chandler's looked really good, but and Brian Shaw knows this. He talked about this today. Of he doesn't want to play tie this many minutes, and, and Chandler's playing a lot. If one of those guys goes down with a sprained ankle or something, it's going to be, you know, Brian Shaw played those guys too much, and I, I kind of would have hoped that. I didn't really look at it because I didn't think that Randy Foy and Nate Robinson would both get hurt, but Nuggets didn't do a great job of having a, a true point guard as a backup there. I mean, both Robinson, Foy, and even Eric Green are all scorers. I mean, they don't they don't really have another guy to lean on if, if something happens to Ty, and that's I think Brian Shaw's been kind of saying that. That's he need, kind of needs needs a point guard for that second unit because that, that's one thing that's really glaring, really glaring, is when Ty goes out, there's just no direction of that second unit there's no even when nate's there it's just even foy who's really they've tried playing randy foy remember what was it in minnesota they (laughs) they tried to make him a point guard and it's just he can do it in stretches but he's really not a point guard if they had one i don't know if everything would be cured but i think things would start to look a little more coherent in the second unit you know at least that's the way it looked yeah i mean let's yeah and right now they're working with eric green and Gary Harris, if they wanted to put the ball in his hands for a little bit. Um, Harris likes to shoot, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and he's a two-guard, so that's exactly what he should do. You know, right. that's, you know he, he's, he's out there. I haven't had a huge problem with Gary Harris's play. I think he's been fine. He missed a bunch of shots in Atlanta. I think he's just kind of played um, like a rookie, you know. I think he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be great, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he looks like a rookie to me. I mean, he's been fine. That's, he really has been. He's a good yeah. defender, too. I like yeah. how he plays. Good, yeah, he's tenacious. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, think they're, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for them. Uh, you know, Eric Green, I think you, you, you probably wish that he can get the team into the offense a little bit better. He's also a rookie, though. So, I mean, you know, listen, I, 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 I can give them both leeway on that, uh, being that this is their first, you know, time in the NBA. And as I can't remember which one of you guys pointed out um, in the pick and roll, it's not something that he was doing a whole heck of a lot at Virginia Tech when he was there. And then I don't yeah. know what he did uh, in his one year overseas. But, um, you know, it certainly wasn't to this much pick and roll the way it is in the NBA. So he's he's kind of working his way through that. So it's, you know, that's where you do wish you at least had Nate Robinson because he already understands that. You know, he might be a little wild on some of his plays, um, but at least you can call them. And if you make him run it, <laughs> he'll run it. You know, yeah. so it's um, the key is focus, right? With Nate. The know, key is focus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but at least you got that veteran guy who can handle the ball, yeah. and at least you know you know. Okay, we'll get into our actions, you know, most of the time, yeah. um, in in a way that it's hard for Brian Shaw to know that right now. We'll kind of finish up with it with this question: Is this a make or break month for the Nuggets? Could yeah, this... in terms of going to the playoffs, for sure it is. Well, in, <laughs> oh, well, in the Western Conference, it's brutal. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess brutal. it kind of depends on how what's going on with that eight seed, um, because Phoenix is doing this up and down thing right now too. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know the biggest problem of all is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean that they're just the bi- they're the biggest problem out they're there. They're coming because right, right, <laughs> they're coming. I mean that's just that's what it is. And you know I, I think what the Nuggets don't want to do is put themselves in a position where Oklahoma City not only passes them but then immediately has like a this five or six game lead. You'll never catch them if that happens. Yeah. So the Nuggets have to start winning games now, so that when Oklahoma City catches them and they will catch them. <laughs> Um, 
that that deficit isn't anything more than a couple of games at any point in the season. Really set yourself up so that in April you can make a real push um, at that playoff spot. But if you're five, six games, when April starts, you can just forget it. I mean, it's just forget it. Well, you know, there's that school of thought that if you're, you know, not not going to make the playoffs, but if you, you know, are at, what, the 13th pick, it's like you should have just lost games at the end of the season. But the Nuggets are riding that fine line right now. Of, yeah, they want to make the playoffs. Of, they sure. want to make the playoffs. And... You know, that's where that thing goes. If you know you're not going to make the playoffs, it's one thing. But if you're determined to make the playoffs, then you really should. You need to do whatever it takes to make the playoffs. and Because, man, your, your pick's not going to help you at that right. point. Because so. if they go out of the playoff race, people are going to want to start seeing Yusuf Nurkic play 15, 20 minutes a night. And they're going to want to see more Gary Harris and... You know, less of veteran guys like like Hickson or Randy Foy yeah, that may or may not be around. But they'll have to mix that with okay. If if the standing, let's just say uh, we're sitting at the beginning of the March and the standings clearly indicate that the Nuggets are not going to be able to get themselves back into the playoff race. Okay, and you have assets on your team. Maybe some of them are playing well, and maybe some of them aren't. I think one of the the first order of business is to make sure that the guys that you might want to move are playing well. So that they the they're the best looking assets that they can be, and so um, that obviously then wouldn't lend itself to playing Nurkic a ton or Gary Harris a ton at least not at the beginning right um, until you've established that a these guys are healthy they're playing at a great level hey you want this guy their contracts are t- super affordable um, you're not breaking the bank or committing tons of years to any of these guys so come and get them you know so you want to. You'll, you'll want to uh, showcase guys like that. And uh, outside of that, then after that's happened, and, and then, yes, you know, play play the guys that need to, to kind of get in. And the, by far the best contract on this roster is Wilson Chandler. By far. Value as opposed to what he's being paid, and he can be bought out next year. Yep. That is the most... Desired does one of the I, I would I would anticipate the Nuggets would be receiving a lot of calls on Wilson Chandler for right sure now. for sure a lot of yeah, them but looked, you, you only great. trade him if you're not going to make the playoffs though he'd look pretty good yeah. you know instead of Demar Carroll in Atlanta he'd Demar look pretty Carroll, good yeah. with you know instead of Matt Barnes with the Clippers I mean he can fit in some places easily well, what's so this is and this has been the eternal you know kind of conundrum with Wilson Chandler's like we all know he could play just like he's playing right now and. The, the problem has always been how reliable could he be, um, whether it was because he gave you 25 points today and 10 points the next day, or if whether it was because he was actually playing today and not playing tomorrow. Yeah. Those, both of those levels of consistency have been a problem with Wilson Chandler, Chandler in a way that they have not been at all yep. this season. Yep. I mean, it's, I, mean I, I would venture to say, I mean, I'd pretty much just say he's been their most consistent consistently good player the entire season long. Because even yeah. Ty took a, a few games before he got going. Yep. And then, you know, Aaron Flalo obviously as well. But it hasn't been a problem from day one for Wilson Chandler. Well, I completely agree. both sides of the I court. completely agree. And does, is his, the fact that this is technically a contract year for him make a difference? You know what? I think it does, actually. You know, I, you know, you know it, it's and it's good that you say it's, it's kind of it kind of technically is. I mean, listen, technically he's got one more year on his contract. Yeah, but it's it's not guaranteed. 
So this is the year he has to perform. Yes. And he's getting that done yes, to, he I, is. I, I, it, to the benefit be, of the Nuggets. It yeah. would be totally naive of anybody to think that that has no bearing on how he's playing because it has at least a little bit to do mm-hmm. with how he's playing. But as far um, as like con- motivation, consistent every sure. game motivation, he's coming yeah, absolutely. Listen, he's playing like he's got a contract on the line. He is. Yep. And um, and so, but but the Nuggets certainly are benefiting, and it's the, I, I believe it is the Wilson Chandler. I know. I thought we could also. I mean, he's. A really, really good player. Um, the question the Nuggets are going to have to ask themselves is: Do you go forward with him, or do you not? Yeah, you know, and that's they have some very hard questions, very, very difficult roster questions. It's going to be up. see, like right now, if someone said you know trade, say like just throwing it out there, they want want to trade Danilo Gallinari. I think his contract value. His trade value was pretty low at this point, based on what everything everyone's seen. But if he was playing well, maybe it's a little better. Problem is, he's owed almost eleven million next year. If you trade Chandler this year too, like it's, a, it's an expiring. Now you do have, let's see, you do have like say, Darrell Arthur, and who else is Nate expiring? Robinson. And Nate Robinson are expiring. Mm-hmm. You got Wilson Chandler who can be bought out for two million. Mm-hmm. Those are probably well, I would group put those guys in Group A. I, although once again, I'm not entirely sure the Nuggets don't want to keep Wilson. Yeah. Um, if you trade him, you're going to be terrible. Uh, if right? you trade yeah. him, you got to know that score. you're missing the playoffs. Yeah, Essentially, you got to be like, sure. we're we're missing the playoffs, so we're just going to do this to get a better draft pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the only reason they've stayed within thirty and stuff. Some of the like. Literally, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they've been blown out a couple of times, and it would be way worse if he wasn't on the court. I would say the player they probably want, would, would, not they, but speculating, I would say the player they want most want to maybe try to put in a package would be JaVale, but that, once again, is one of those really hard contracts to, to, to negotiate through. And so it's like two of the more high-dollar contracts in your roster are both not playing well and injured. Yes. Yeah, I mean that puts that handcuffs the Nuggets tremendously. And it started in the summer. Yeah, let's be honest. It started. It started back in the summer when you, uh, you know, uh, even with even with a guy like Nate Robinson, you know, if he was completely healthy and only making two million dollars the the following season, how easy is that to move oh, yeah. for a guy who can really fill it up? If he's, yeah. you know, I mean that's yeah, and on an expiring right. contract, two million dollars expiring. Yeah. You can't trade that. Of course you could. In in a nanosecond right. for that guy. Um, JaVale, Danilo, both with injury situations. J.J. Hickson with an injury situation. So while those contracts would have been tradable, the guys were damaged goods. Yep. And until they turn, until they were prove, uh, proved to be healthy, then they were pretty much untradable. And so the Nuggets from that standpoint were really hamstrung in the summer because the summer is when you could have – Going back to the point guard situation, yeah. if you wanted to see, and, I, and this is this is the, the example. This is, I just use this example just because he was playing here, uh, and that was Aaron Brooks. Yeah. So if Aaron Brooks goes, and I can't remember the contract he signed, it was a like one year and like six million with Chicago, yeah, something so. like that, six yeah. or seven, something like that, which is a contract the Nuggets couldn't afford. Six million dollars was too much. Yeah. But it's not if Nate Robinson's contract's not on the books. Yep. You can get a guy, and then you know, you know. So, so little moves like that that could have happened, 
weren't able to be enacted because these guys were all injured. Yeah. And, um, and, that's and where, so it's a problem. That's where I think some of the national guys that have pointed out the Nuggets have all this salary locked up in the next year, that's where they failed to see is they couldn't make moves this offseason like you pointed out. They have to wait till this season. I don't think the Nuggets plan to go into next season with as much salary as they have locked up and committed to. I don't to. even see the Nuggets' financial yeah. situation as being bad. No. You know, I, I think this, the spin on that has been so terrible. It's because been terrible, yeah. yeah. it's just been yeah. because, listen, uh, listen. two years ago when the Lakers were in very terrible financial dire, dire straits, all we heard was, in two years, all of this cat, all that stuff was going to be gone, and they're going to be able to clear spin. So the Nuggets are two years away from yeah. clear and it's somehow a terrible thing? Yeah. No, 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 no. The Nuggets have <laughs> one of the best financial situations in this league from the standpoint of they have tradable assets. They don't have contracts that will, that'll kill them in any way. And they all expire in two years. So <laughs> even if they didn't do anything at all, there's only like five guys because they just gave Kenneth Farid a contract. There's only like five guys, or not even that, four guys that would have money owed to them by the team Two years from now, and when That's fantastic, actually. when those contracts come off the book is when the uh, the TV money is coming in too. Yeah. So I mean, t- so you get a better salary cap. Yeah, you have the, a a much on. better cal- so, I mean, on, it's man. never it's, been as bad not, as. Yeah. I mean, so I they're going to sign like LeBron and Marc Gasol is what you guys are saying. <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely> Both. <Yes. laughs> but 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 no, I mean, anybody out there who thinks that that situation, the financial situation, is a bad one, uh, don't think that. No, it, it's, it's, it's really not. Yeah. It's really not. Cool. All, all right, right, man. Chris, well, we took up too much of your time here. We did. You got to get out of here. It's all good, man. We got to go. Uh, the Broncos game. They won, played well, probably going to the Super Bowl. That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Broncos, Eagles, Super Bowl. It's going to happen. Broncos, Eagles, Super Bowl. It'd be, uh, it'd be, uh, be awesome. Chris Dempsey's. I'd be, uh, won't be conflicted because he's a, he's an Eagles diehard. <laughs> so, uh,. <laughs> He's going to be decked out in his Eagles green. Chip Kelly, I'll put a Chip Kelly mask on. <laughs> they showed a play the other day. I don't know if it was an Eagles game, but they showed uh, Randall Cunningham's 91-yard punt. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yes. The Randall <laughs> Cunningham <laughs> days were good that, days. That, that thing bounced like 40 yards. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was actually a 50-yard punt. <laughs> and then it just bounced, 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 bounced. Yeah. No, but I, I, I will say this about the Broncos. I love what they're doing. Love it. Because... Um, they can always throw the football. I, mean, I listen. They have a, the Hall of Fame quarterback as their quarterback, and but what's going to, you know, the St. Louis Rams? Let's put it this way: the St. Louis Rams, when the Broncos weren't running the football, did what to their passing game? They just they totally obliterated yeah. what what they were trying to do. See. The good defenses, and you're going to find a lot of those in the playoffs, are going to figure out a way to stop all that finesse stuff. Yeah. And if you can turn around and hand it off and just push people down the field. And if you have, like, real play action where they have to honor the run, you know. How much more deadly is Peyton Manning now, now that people know teams that know that they have a running back that can go for 160. That's what C.J. Anderson has done with yep. the, the last couple of weeks. Juwan Thompson, weeks. too. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you got a running back back there. That's the threat. Now you have to creep some guys up. And if you don't, he's going to go for 160. Yep. So, like, you know, that it's, it's, there's just so much more dynamic now. I just can't even stand it. I love what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Dempsey's an almost convert to the Denver Broncos. Eh? I love the Broncos. <laughs> Closest like he's the Broncos. ever been. I'm, a, I'm a born and raised here in town. 
Just like the Eagles first. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> Closest we've ever had to calling them a Broncos. That's it. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Chris, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Man. Episode hey, 200 with Chris Dempsey. Oh, 200. 200. Beautiful. Yeah, 200. There you go. Man, it's great time. to be here. Great to be here. 200 more. 200 more. Yeah. 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 Old men by then. All right. We'll <laughs> see you guys next week. Bye.